Hey guys, this is Tina Recklage, and you're listening to the Grow and Go podcast, the show about growing, challenging, and encouraging each other to dig deeper than the social norms. Let's grow and go together. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Grow and Go podcast with your host, Tina Recklage. Um, guys, we are finishing up the last of the three-week mini-series called The S Word. So the first word we, first time we talked about sex in pornography, and then we talked about sex before marriage, and now we are finishing, concluding with sex in its context, which we'll get a little bit more into that in a little bit. But before we get into that, I just want to share the embarrassing story of the week. Okay, so this happened... Two, three weeks ago, I was invited to go to a wedding with a friend of mine as their guest. And it was going to be a really good time. I was going to, we were going to go to the wedding, enjoy the reception, and I was going to dance my brain off. Um, So, but before that, I was like, oh man, I want to look, I want to look spiffy. Like I want to look real good for this wedding, right? So the day before I went and got a haircut, um, fresh cut, looking good. And then the day of, I wake up and I take a shower and, um, I'm expecting my friend to pick me up at a specific time. So I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, shoot. Like I got a little bit of time to like trim my beard, make it look good. Like I want to, I want to, I want to be dressed nice. This is a wedding. This is a, a nice wedding that I'm going to. Right. So I grab my little grooming scissors. They're like two inches tall and they're little tiny ones. They're not like the ones that you use to like cut wrapping paper when you're like wrapping gifts. Right. And so I'm taking these little scissors and I'm trimming around my beard, you know, beard props. And, uh, I come to the point where I'm like, oh man, like there's some hair dangling over my mustache. Like the real manliest thing to do is to get rid of it. So <laughs> no girl wants to kiss a guy's <laughs> hairy lips. But anyway, um, and so I'm like, okay. So I trim it, I'm trimming it up, you know, going around my lips, around the edges. And then I pull, I guess I pull back on the scissors and I go up to get a specific hair and I slice my top lip open. <laughs> like it was a little cut. It was probably like, I don't even know what freaking centimeter long, but it would all of a sudden this giant gash is in the middle of my top lip. So I'm like, oh snap. So I, uh, I notice immediately that it just starts, just starts bleeding. Right. Um, also just a little warning. If you're a little blood cautious or whatever of stories, if you don't like blood that much, uh, maybe this isn't the best story to hear. Um, but I'll try to not make it sound super gross. Um, so my lip is bleeding. Right. So I'm like, ah, come on. You know? So I, um, I stick my lips under the the sink and I'm just letting blood drip into the sink. Like the water is red, right? Like it is not stopping it. It had the same sensation as a bloody nose, which I didn't even know because I've never cut my lip that bad. Like, you know, like you've had like dried lips and stuff and they cut and it's like a little red dot, but like not as bad as mine. I must've cut like deep skin. Right. And so it's literally not like I'm leaning over the sink and it's just dripping into the sink, like disgusting. Right. So I let, I let, I, I let that happen for a few minutes. Cause I think like eventually this is going to like stop. It's not going to freaking run its course. It's It's going to run its course, but it's not going to like be for like 15 minutes, 15 minutes go by and I grab a tissue and I'm like, okay, maybe if I just try covering it, keep it on my lips for a few minutes, maybe it'll dry it up. You know, it won't be bleeding, but literally every time I took away the tissue, it just was 
dripping again. So I'm like, oh, come on. So I eventually got to the point where I'm stressing because my friend is almost to my house to come pick me up and we're running out of time. I got this bloody lip. So I call my dad. I'm like, dude, what am I supposed to do? So he suggests me putting some like healing ointment on it. So I took some like Aquaphor, rubbed it on my fingers and just put it on my lips and it dried it up and it started to work. And I'm like, okay, good. Um, and so we get in the car. I tell my friend what happened. We pull up to the wedding, the, the church building. Right. And I'm like, thank God for masks. Like out of this whole pandemic, like I've, everybody has hated them. Everybody has resented wearing a mask. But in that moment, I was like, thank the good Lord for accessing masks. So that way I don't have to wear, I don't have to show this ugly, dark red gash on my lip. So I'm thankful, right? And so then go to the wedding, to the reception, I'm wearing this mask. Eventually when I'm starting to meet people like at the wedding or at the reception, I'm just like, all right, like I want to pull down my face and, you know, say hi uh, or pull down my face, pull down my mask, have them show my face. And I have to like, the first thing I say to when people were like, coming up to me and like introducing me, like my friend was introducing me to people. I would just pull my mask down and be like, hi, ignore this ugly black spot on my lip. I, and I tell them the story and it's, it's a good, it's a good opener, but, um, yeah, eventually it healed after a few days it was gone. Um, but man, it hurt, like it hurt. And it was also just disgusting. Like I looked it was bad. It looked like a black dot. It looked like the fly that was on Mike Pence's hair <laughs> during the debate, right? So it was nasty and I hated it. So, but it's gone now and end of story. So, all right, guys, like I said, three week series coming to an end today on the S word sex. And we're finishing off. So we started off with sex in pornography and how sex in pornography isn't really sex at all. It is more of just our imagination, our lust, and our fantasies being fulfilled, and we find that. And it's not even just like a fulfilling thing. It's like a degrading thing And how sex is mostly, or porn, I should say, is more for people who are desperate and who are just selfish by nature and how we give into it and we give into our selfish natures. Um, next week, we talked about the... Um, porn or sorry sex before marriage and how even in that like that's just putting ourselves at risk to be connected to someone that we're not meant to be connected to or someone that we don't want to be connected to and we use sex as a way to one make us feel better about it and it's also showing that we don't have respect for the other person because we're only caring about our own selfish and our own our own selfish desires right and so lastly i want to talk about sex in its context and what sex in its context, which is kind of funny that I bring up the story of the wedding, um, because sex is meant to be within marriage. And, you know, if you are questioning that, I have a I have a verse right here in Hebrews 13, where it says, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. So it's saying sex is meant to be the thing that is within marriage. God's view of sex is meant to be in the context of marriage. And if, we, if we've given into porn, if we've given into masturbation, if we've had sex outside of marriage, then we've, we've sinned. We've given into sin and we haven't given into what God designed sex to be, which is within, a, within the marriage context and within with a spouse, right? <clears throat> and so that's, that's a good starting ground. And I think we can kind of all agree at this point, if that's a verse that says that, and there's a couple other verses, but there's this specific verse that says the marriage is meant to be, the sex is meant to be within the marriage bed. It's meant to be with the person that God has given you 
it's meant to be with the person that you choose to do life with. Um, and that is what it means to have sex in its context is to have that. So I think if we can have that as like just the starting ground, if we can all just under the assumption, put it as sex is meant to be in marriage. I want to kind of talk about what it, what kind of desires and what kind of ideas that we have before we're married. Cause I, if, if you're listening to this and you're not married, um, neither am I, um, I am, I've been single, uh, you know, like, I don't know how else to word that I'm not married, but I haven't had sex in its context. Okay. I've, I've failed and I have had sex outside of marriage and I know what that is like. And I would even go so far to say that if we, if we're having sex before marriage, we're not having sex, we're having sin. We're basically giving into our sin and we're not letting our self-control and the fruits of the spirit that we're meant to be um, growing and meant to be applying. Uh, we're not letting that steer the wheel. We're letting our own selfish desire and our own sinful heart do the work, right? <clears throat> so, and I think if we, and in order for us, if we, if we can just establish that sex is meant to be in marriage, I think we need to just find out how do we have sex? How do we have the right sex? How do we have sex correctly? And that's when we need to figure out how to find the right spouse first. You know, something that I always kind of just assumed was that all the, my sexual desires, everything that I had to do, everything that had to do with my sexuality and what I wanted and what would make me feel good and all the, all the things surrounding it, I always thought that marriage would be the solution. That marriage, when I get married, oh, then I'll feel complete. Marriage, and then I won't have to look at porn. Marriage, and then I won't have to worry about being attracted to other women and wanting to, you know, screw around and stuff. So I, w- I always assumed that marriage was the band-aid to the solution, right? And sometimes still as a single person, I still struggle with that. And I still think that, oh, as soon as I have, as soon as I'm married and I have sex with my wife and we share this intimacy and we're having, and you know, we're having sex weekly and, or I don't know, daily, cause I'm not married. I don't know. But <clears throat> as soon as we're having this ongoing relationship with sex, I always think like, oh, that's going to be like the end all be all right of all my sexual desires, all my lustful desires. Right. But marriage isn't all about sex. And I know that something I struggled with for years was thinking that when we find the person and all and that all my sexual desires will have a place to go to. But marriage is not designed to only have sex. You know, imagine if you only marry someone that, you know, you kind of like, but you like them more for the element of sex. What that is, it would be such a miserable marriage because you're only one, our bodies decay. And two, we're going to get old and, you know. There's, I don't know how else to say this, but like, we're not going to function as much as we used to when we're younger, right? So if we're only using that as a way to have us have sex, then we're not fulfilling what God would want, which is why it's called making love, which we'll get on to a little bit. But marriage is about finding someone to honor, to cherish, you know, to respect and to grow more into the image and to go through the process of sanctification together, to be made in the image of God with the right marriage is going to glorify God and sex will be glorifying to God and sex will be honoring to God because it's meant to be a gift from him. You know, sex is meant to be good and it's meant to be something for our marriage. And I don't know about you, but nobody's ever specifically told me, but it was all like the assumption that I had or the the presumption that I had by any like conservative, conservative, like Christian older person to say that like sex is bad. Like they never said it, but it was just how they treated it to say that like sex is the bad sex. Don't do it. It's evil, you know, and we need to flee from it. 
But like, if we were raised thinking that by these people, <laughs> then how did these people come to be? You know, like they were made through sex too. So sex is not the issue. It's when we do it outside of God's intended purpose. And when it's, you can look at an example of um, an alcoholic or, or someone or an alcoholic drink, I should say, <clears throat> you know, having an alcoholic drink isn't sin. But it's when we let our gluttonous desires and our heart take the wheel. It's when it's more of a heart issue than what it is what we do with it. Because I've I've had beer. <laughs> I like a good glass of wine here and there. But like if I let my gluttonous self consume too much of it and too much of it outside of God's context, that's when it becomes sin. That's when drunkenness is considered a sin. And the same situation applies to sex where he says, hey, I'm going to let you have sex because that's something I want you to I want you to experience. I want you to have this, but with the right person. And that's what ultimately put Adam and Eve in their situation is that they said where God was like, you can have all the, all the trees in the garden, right? You can have everything, but don't eat from this tree. But that was what Adam and Eve sought after. Like they weren't tempted at first, but it was the serpent. It was the, it was Satan who tricked them into thinking that, Hey, if you eat from this, God's with obviously withholding you from it, right? Like God wants you to hold back because there's something about this tree that is very, it's very, you know, there's some answers to it that maybe you could find, or maybe there's some sort of fulfillment that you could find within this tree. And the same thing happens when we give into porn and when we choose to look at porn or when we choose to have sex before marriage and when we're sleeping with our boyfriend and girlfriend, that is when we're deciding in our hearts that there must be something about this that God doesn't want us to have. But the beauty of it isn't that we're not, that God is withholding anything from us. Obviously he's a good father. He's, he's faithful and just, and he, he isn't the God of withholding things, but he's saying, Hey, I am your father. And just as a earthly father to a son or a daughter, it's saying I'm withholding things because I know there's something better for you. And God has the same heartbeat where he says, Hey, sex is great. Like sex is good. Like it is meant to be good, but I don't want you to get hurt in a, in, in a situation, um, like my brother who has had sex outside of marriage. Um, he now has to take on this responsibility as a father because he now has a child out of that. And, you know, I'm not going to say that no, no, no child is a mistake. Okay. No child is a mistake, but consequences of that is that now he has to be a parent for someone that he wasn't ready to be. And he, you know, he could have waited a few more years or maybe he was intending on waiting a few more years, but because he didn't, therefore it is now a new responsibility that he has because of the consequences of sin. And I like another story I've shared before of like, because I've had sex outside of marriage and that cost me my job and my reputation uh, at the church out of all the ministry, all the different uh, mission uh, ministries that I was a part of. Like there was a reason why, it's meant to be in marriage because the consequences of it are so supreme. And, you know, there's the, there is the saying that's like all, oh, well, all sin falls equal at the cross. And I would agree with that. All sin is in its essence evil. All of it is coming from a place of our own selfish desires, but the consequences of each sin are different. You know, if I was being a glutton and I decided to overeat one night, then the next, the consequences would be, well, I feel full and I have a stomachache. And I don't feel good. And I'm not, you know, I, I don't feel good about myself. That's consequences of that. Consequences of drunkenness is that, hey, I literally might take someone's life getting behind a wheel tonight. I The consequences of drunkenness is 
I now have a hangover the next morning, right? And so the consequences of giving into sex or giving into porn and the last two episodes that we talked about is that we are setting ourselves up for a place to, because then it not only corrupts the outside, like the example of my brother having a, a kid outside of marriage and um, the situation where I lost my job. And, you know, if someone was married, they lost their wife or they lost their kids in a situation like that. All those things are consequences. But another consequence, too, is that our hearts are hardening and are hardening towards a real love, a real love that sex is meant to be within love. You know, sex is called making love because it makes more love. And when we have sex outside of God's intended purpose for it, not only are we saying that we don't love God enough to wait, but we're also proving to our the person that we're with that we're not loving them enough to wait. You know, we can look at the fruits of the Spirit. We can look at the they're all love, joy, kindness, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And you can look at each of these. I love going back to the fruits because the fruits is what testifies of the Lord's work in our hearts, right? And so you can look at that in the situation. If we have sex outside of marriage or if we get into porn, we're, sh- we're showing a lack of love because we're only loving ourselves more. We're not loving extendively. We're losing a fruit of the Spirit every or our joy as one of the fruit of the Spirit. Every time that I've given in to having sex with someone, there isn't this fulfillment. There's this regret and this remorse. There's, oh my gosh, what did I just do? That's what happened if you look and listen to the last episode. Like I, I didn't... When I lost my virginity, it wasn't sort of like a, oh, well, now I feel complete. Now I'm good. It was a emptiness. I felt dark. I felt in this place of, oh my gosh, I have no joy right now because I feel so remorse by this thing that I gave into. And you can go, we can keep going on. Kindness. There's no kindness if we're treating someone only for our own selfish gain. There's no peace. Our hearts are worrying. Am I right with God? Am I, am I good with my person? Do how like, am I still worthy enough to be loved by God. Patience. We're obviously lacking patience. We're lacking patience to wait for something that God says is good. Goodness. There's no goodness in sin. Faithfulness. We're not proving faithfulness if we're not being in loving enough to wait for our person. Or I don't even, and I, I'm going to talk about that too, is that I don't think there is a person. I think we get to choose, right? But gentleness. We're not being gentle. We're taking advantage of them or and in porn, we're looking at these women, these men, and we're looking at them not as sort of from a gentle aspect. We're looking at them as like, you owe me something. And obviously, self-control is the last fruit of the Spirit, where we are lacking self-control and we're not being disciplined enough by grace to keep us going, right? So going back to what the conservative mindset was, was that I always thought that because it was almost like a assumption of like sex is bad, therefore don't ever have sex. I always thought that sex is a disgusting act that two people do. It's and, and it feels good, but it's a disgusting thing on its surface. But sex is not a disgusting act. It's a gift from God and it's a unity. It's a, a binding of two souls to come together, to enjoy each other and to create a selfless bond within marriage. You know, sex has so many good benefits to it. You know, it it can kindle uh, a fire in a relationship. You know, if like things are, you know, things are different, things are tough inside a marriage, that can kindle it again. It can add more flame. Um, Sex can create memories. It can create, it can be healing. Um, I've heard 
um, one of my mentors say that there's no better sex than makeup sex because it's it's healing for each other. But anything outside of the marriage bed isn't sex. It's sin. It's sinful sex. It's not what God wants us to have. And it's not because he's withholding, like I said. It's because he wants something better for us. There's a reason why he calls it a gift. And the wedding gift that we get to have on our marriage day is the gift of sex. And I'm not there yet. And there's some of you who maybe aren't there yet either. And that's that's where we're at. But it's having the discipline to know that, hey, I, I have been freed from needing sex. Okay? Like, as a single person right now, I do not need sex. As a marriage person, or as a married person eventually, I will not need sex. There's something about it that only God can satisfy. And when we give in to sex, we're thinking that that thing can satisfy us. We're choosing an idol over God, which is worshiping something outside of God, right? Because sex is not the issue. Lust is. And when we enter a marriage and we assume that all these struggles that we have as sing- single people um, are, ex- or we assume all of our sexual struggles we experience single will be the end all be all. We're not dealing with a sexless struggle. We're dealing with a lustful one. See, that's where I want to go back to where I thought that when I got, when I get married, all these dif- different desires that I have with within my sexuality are going to be fulfilled because I'll have a person to do it. But there's proven time and time again. I've 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 read a few books and I'm not like trying to you know boastfully brag about how many books I read or whatever. But it's like I've read books where men who are married who have come into a relationship or come into a marriage with a porn addiction that they it doesn't just instantly go away as soon as you're married as if you now have an outlet for it. Like your heart is still deceptive and your heart still craves that fantasy. And when you find out that the fantasy isn't within the marriage, that's when it becomes lustful. You know, imagine going back to the marriage thing too. Imagine if you were only to marry someone, married to someone. Imagine if you were to only marry someone, there it is, um, only to fulfill your fantasies. That's not love. That is manipulation. That is selfishness. That is not any by any means love at all. That's just us trying to feel better about something. And I think the idea is that we need to be content with who we are as single people before we get married. And we need to be content in our in our sexual desires. And we need to realize not even I'm not even gonna be the guy that says, We need to do this, we need to do that, we need to do that, we need to do this. But to be the person who says, Guys, we can grow now while we're not married. And there's a lot of people who listen to this who are not married, and congrats, we're on the same page, right? And so our goal isn't to be, to look at sex as a, a certain, some sort of ranking, as if we, when we get married, it's like, oh, now we get to have sex, but to train ourselves and to train our hearts and to let God's grace and his love penetrate our hearts. So that way we know that we don't even need sex. Like our full satisfaction is only found in him. It's not found in what would make us feel better about ourselves or what we would want to experience. Sex is just an experience. Sex in itself is not, by any means, something that will completely satisfy us, which is God's job. And God's job, even of itself, isn't to make us feel good. It's to glorify Him. It's to glorify Him. So, 
like I want to talk about too, in order to find out how to have sex right, we need to figure out how to find the right person. And that comes with searching, you know, and not even just searching exterior, exteriorly, but looking within our heart to say, who do I want in a wife and woman? Who do you want in a husband? What are those character traits? You know, like some of the traits I have in a future wife is that she would be kind and that she would be patient and supportive and, and loving and loving to the point where like, even if I am just the biggest jerk at times that she would say, no, I I still love you. You might be wrong, but I still love you. And those are the things that we need to look for, right? There's this uh, quote that, um, that I heard about the, the goal for marriage and for the unity within marriage is that um, the ultimate goal for us all is to experience and integrate a union with God, a union within our own being, mind, body, and soul, and potentially a union with partners. And so first we need to find a unity with God, right? And how we need to, and that's a quote by Michael Murdad. I should probably quote him, but, but that's the goal for us to experience unity first, because if we're, if we don't have unity, then we're walking into this blindlessly and we're not being wise and, and discerning. We need unity and we need to find unity with God first. So that way we can be at unity with ourselves. So that way we can be in unity with a partner. There's another verse I'm going to talk about, Proverbs 5, 18 through 19, where it says, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. And this verse always struck me as a little weird because I always think like that's something that sex is meant to be, is to be a fountain. It's meant to be something to rejoice and to be, to fill, it says to fill us with delight, to be intoxicated, to be, to love the gift that God has given us. It's not meant to be this act. It's not meant to be something that makes us feel better, but it's meant to be an experience where it's, we can both join together and not so much, or I would say it's glorifying to God, but it's also something God says, Hey, you guys can have it because I, I want you to experience it. I, I know it feels good. Like God's almost saying, like, I, I made it to be good. Like I made it to feel good. So I want you guys to have a ton of it because it's, it's a beautiful thing for married people. And if we could just get out of our heads, this idea that it's not, and that God withholds things from us and outside the marriages, it's evil. Then maybe we'll have a better understanding of what it's designed for. And it's meant for a husband and a wife. Two spouses, two people, two people alone. So we are not called to bring other people in. We're not called to bring any film or picture or ideas in. But it's a gift that God gave to two people. And that's what sex in its context is. So a few takeaways from this is that sex isn't a bad thing. And it's a gift from God to be used when it's designed to be used. And that it's meant to be used as soon as we have a wedding ring on as soon as we're married, as soon as a man and a wife are together. Sex isn't a bad thing. Next, marriage isn't about sex, but it can be used during sex, or it could be used during the marriage. <laughs> and so it's a rekindling of the fire. Like I mentioned earlier, there's different things for why God created sex, and it's a big mystery. And why are we so infatuated with it at such an early age when we, when we learn about it? Like I mentioned, 
in the uh, sex and pornography episode, I started watching porn at, I think I said age 11. I was around that time frame, and just how fascinating it was almost every single time that I gave into it. It was this fascination. And that's something that marriage lets us experience is this fascination with each other. I always, I, I heard this quote like a long time ago that I always, I always like picture, but like marriage is like constantly unwrapping more and more about your spouse because at the end of the day, it, you become more unified. There's a unity within a, a man and a, and a woman, um, a, a sp- in, in its marriage context, right? A husband and a wife. There's always this unkindling. There's always this unwrapping of getting to know each other a little bit more and sex helps with that. Um, next, sex is better when it's glorifying to God and when you're doing it with someone you cherish and delight in. Um, this is something too that I've always like had to remind my heart in seasons where I'm just like my sexual desires are at an all time high. And as a man, like, I'm not going to lie and say that, Oh, I don't know. I, I don't struggle with this. I do. And I do struggle. And like other men, I know that I'm not alone in this and maybe in other, I know a few women too, who struggle with all the sexual desire that we have at before marriage as single people, <clears throat> but it's so much rewarding because think about it, guys, if we have sex within its context, within marriage, then we're not feeling this amount of guilt after we give in, right? We're not feeling this amount of, oh gosh, did I just screw up? Did I just, am I good with God? What do I need to do? How do I repent? How do I, how do I ask for forgiveness? Am I forgiven? All these questions. And not to mention too, it's glorifying to God and you're doing it the right way. So that way, if you are married, it's not someone is pointing a finger at you when you're not married and you had sex and you have a kid now. Nobody, there's no condemnation. And we're not called to be uh, condemning people, right? But there's still this idea of like, oh, you didn't, you weren't married when you had sex. There's those questions and those that guilt. But if we have sex in marriage and if we have a kid, then that's not something that people are going to be like, did you just, did you just have sex within marriage? And and you're, oh, you're pregnant? Like all this, like, you know, half heartedness or whatever, but it's a blessing. And if there's blessings in sex when we're, when it's in its context, you know, sex is like glue and we need to be careful um, that we're wanting to stay stuck with someone forever, right? Glue is sticking. It's not like tape where if you, the more you use it, the more it, it wears out. Sex is meant to be like glue where it's, it binds two people together and only two people together. And lastly, I want to give a book recommendation. Um, <clears throat> Gary Thomas wrote this book that is about for single people uh, like myself, and it's called The Sacred Search. But he also wrote another book um, for marriage or what it looks like to have a sacred marriage, and he calls that The Sacred Marriage. Um, so I would highly recommend those two books. It's The Sacred Marriage and The Sacred Search, both by Gary Thomas. They're really, really good. And um, yeah, guys, love this little mini series that we did. Remember, sex is not a disgusting thing. Sex is not evil. And sex is meant to be enjoyed within its context, which God has so graciously gifted us with. And I'm so excited to use that gift one day, not to glorify it, not to bow down to it, but to use it as a way to rekindle the fire that I have with my future wife and that you will have with your future wife or husband one day. Okay. Challenge of the week. Um, one of my favorite things to do is giving people gifts. I love gifts, um, but go buy someone their favorite candy. 
Okay, think about it. Like it could be your mom, it could be your dad, you know, or siblings or whoever. It could be your boyfriend, girlfriend. What a way to, you know, win some brownie points there. Or it could just be a friend. You know, I have a friend who lives in town where sometimes I've given them gifts just randomly because I'm like, no, I just, I take delight in you. You're my friend. I love you. But go buy someone their favorite candy. Candy is only a couple bucks too. It's not like you're on a college budget. (laughs) You can spend $2 on a Kit Kat, you know? So that's my challenge of the week. Go buy someone their favorite candy. And remember guys, we can always grow. We always have room for improvement and we can always work to be better and to glorify God more. We'll see you guys next time.